Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is December 2nd, and it is day one of the MLB lockout. The CBA has expired, and everything has come to a stop. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll here on the Cold Brew Podcast. And we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com, bringing you everything regarding the Milwaukee Brewers, all the best analysis and news that you can find on the Twitter sphere or the blogosphere or the podcast sphere or whatever it is that, that you're looking for Brewers stuff. We got the best right here. And we are now in a lockout in baseball. Players cannot go to team facilities. Teams cannot sign players. Apparently, MLB can't even use players' pictures on their website, <laughs> and everything has come to a stop. And we assumed, you know, heading into, uh, you know, everything came to a stop uh, at midnight on December 1st, so so the night before uh, here, we're, before we're, we are recording this, and we just assumed MLB was just going to drift quietly into it. I mean, there, there was a rash of signings in the few days before and then we got to the final few hours and everything had kind of calmed down. It's like, okay, this is probably going to be it. But then, wait, what's that I hear in the background? It's getting louder. My <gasps> God, that's David Stearns' music. <laughs> Here he comes out of nowhere. And he trades for Hunter Renfro from the Boston Red Sox. He sends out Jackie Bradley Jr., the worst free agent contract signing the Brewers have had probably since Jeff Supan. And <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, Jackie Bradley Jr. did not stay as long as Supan did. But the point still remains. Jackie Bradley Jr. is now off the books. He's heading back to Boston. He's shipping back to Boston, uh, as Dropkick Murphys would tell you. And he's heading and he's shipping out there with a couple of uh, prospects that are near and dear to our hearts. But we'll get to that later. Uh, Matt, Jackie Bradley Jr. has been replaced with Hunter Renfro on this roster. And looking at the numbers, this is a major improvement. Major improvement, to say the least. And not even just looking at literally a comparison of 2021 numbers, just general offensive track record um obviously yes big improvements um from jackie bradley jr to hunter renfro and as we know bradley jr was set to receive plenty of playing time um as avasiel garcia had entered free agency after um not receiving a qualifying offer and he had recently just signed with another team um so he definitely wasn't coming back um so by all rights uh jackie bradley jr was going to play in a lot of games unless something major happens um, for 2022. And then something major happens uh, as we were all, I know I was kind of just relaxing last night, accepting the lockout that was about to come. Um, I had just messaged uh, our buddies over at Bosox Injection about their uh, nice signing of Dick Mountain last night. I mean, Rich Hill last <laughs> night. Um, and thought that that was pretty much it. We were good with any new, uh, non-CBA related baseball news for quite some time. And then boom, right at what? 10, 10, 15, something like that. Yeah. Uh, the news comes out and we're just scrambling and it's who, who is around to write a story on this right now? Um, because obviously no one expects those news drops at, uh, that late at night. So, um, mm. But in getting Renfro, the Brewers now have a younger right fielder, a better hitting right fielder, and a right fielder under more control, as we still have two of his arbitration years left. Uh, one of those years being this year, I believe, because I don't think that yeah. Red Sox he, hadn't signed he has, him for he a has contract. He has two more years, 2022 okay. and 2023. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't one of those that, like, you know, quick got a one-year contract deal with him under the gun or anything yeah. like that, like some of the other ones. So. Um, Yes, he still has to go through that, but regardless, that is two years of control still for the Brewers. Um, and I haven't checked. Have you checked back in on the arbitration projections for him? For what uh, he he's lose? at about seven point six million is okay. a projection for him. Okay, so cost savings right there. Yeah, um, yeah I, I've seen here and there uh, Stearns 
uh, had mentioned that uh, they get a, a decent outfielder defensively in him uh, is obviously not going to live up to Jackie Bradley Jr.'s standings uh, or standards, I should say, um, because that's a you know gold glove caliber outfielder there. But um, mm-hmm. it seems appears as though he can hold his own in the outfielder in the outfield. I'm messing everything up tonight. Um, it's been a day. It really it has. has been. I, oh, my God. It, it was a late um, night last night for all of us, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. So but for what he brings for what he brings purely power wise, it is nice that we get a replacement for Avi in that sense, because Jack Bradley Jr. was not going to replace Avi's power. No. Renfro actually has the chance of doing that in the four of his six seasons in which he played over 100 games. The other two seasons were his rookie season where he only played 11 games and the COVID season. In those four seasons, he hit at least 26 home runs in each of them, which Mm -hmm. is nice. Um, Brewers fans may remember he hit uh, some against us back in the day when he was a San Diego Padre. He likes Um, hitting at American Family Field. He does. He does. He was kind of a nightmare back then. Um, And now now have him hit in 81 games there? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's we could talk about the prospects um, that go in the deal in a bit, but uh, in the pure Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. aspect, obvious, obvious upgrade for the Brewers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, because that's such an obvious upgrade, it's going to cost Brewers a little bit more on the back end, and that's where the prospects come in. But we'll get to them in a little bit. Uh, j- just kind of speaking on Renfro, yeah, 31 homers this past season, hit 259. Uh, that's nearly 100 points higher than JBJ. Uh, JBJ hit 163, uh, 816 OPS. And yeah, he's, he's essentially going to replace Ivy Garcia in right field. I mean, Ivy Garcia was that right-handed power bat, supplied 29 home runs this last year. Renfro, right-handed power bat, can supply 31, 33, you know, can, can supply 30 plus home runs um, in the middle of that lineup. And, and that's exactly what the Brewers need. And uh, that's a big boost to to the offense. And now right field is figured out. You know, it's not a question of, oh, you know, I guess Tyrone Taylor is going to be our starting outfielder out there with a platoon with uh, JBJ. No, now JBJ is out and you're going to have Kane in center. And then when Kane needs a rest because he's he's what, 37 now next season, he's going to be, you know, he's not going to be able to play every single day. So that's where Tyrone Taylor can get a lot more playing time. Taylor is going to be the he's still going to be the backup outfielder, but now he's the fourth outfielder instead of the fifth outfielder. Mm. Um, so so that's a step up for him, I guess. Still, um, and you get a really big boost uh, and, and a powerful bat in right field in Hunter Renfro. So it, it's really what the Brewers needed uh, to to inject some life into this offense. And yeah, it, it it's just really a fantastic trade all around. I mean, for JBJ. He really struggled in Milwaukee. He just never really seemed comfortable here. Um, and he spent so many years in Boston before this. And, and he had so much success there. You know, he still had his ups and downs. Um, but it was it was all downs in Milwaukee. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, all the, all the Red Sox fans we talked to told us, yeah, he's going to have hot and cold stretches. 2021 was just a pure cold stretch. Like, th- there was no hot stretch at any point. I don't even know if there was a lukewarm stretch for JBJ. <laughs> Like, it was that bad all season. Um, so for him to head back to Boston, a place where he's comfortable, a place where he's had success, I think that's going to make things much better for him um, and make it easier for him to have a rebound season. And, it, and look, as a person, I love JBJ. I mean, he's a fantastic dude. Very nice, well-spoken dude, uh, a leader, um, just a really great all-around guy to have. Uh, like, like, like that's a guy that you want on your team. Like, that, that's a guy you want in your clubhouse. You just want him to hit better than a buck sixty-three, um, <laughs> and I, I don't think that's too much to ask. Um, but yeah, it, it just it needed to happen. Uh, a change of scenery, and really for the Brewers, uh, it definitely uh, works out. And and really, when you look at you know the reasoning for this trade and you know the prospects he gave up and whatever, the Brewers' window to win is now. I mean, the, the, the core is young uh, and under control for a few more years. You know, your Woodruffs and Burns and, and Peraltas, um, you know, the, the core of that rotation. You're like, you have this core for the next two or three years um, for sure. So the next two or three years are your best chance to win a World Series. Mm. 
the prospects that the Brewers gave up, David Hamilton and Alex Benellis, were not going to be in a position to help the Brewers win in the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. Hunter Renfro is. Hunter Renfro is going to be here for the next two years, and he really can boost this lineup and put the Brewers in a better chance to win. Um, so, and and that's where this uh, trade uh, really, you know, comes together and makes so much sense for the Brewers. I mean, the, the farm system we know is just kind of gaining some depth. It's been thin for a while. And now that they've gotten some depth, they are, they've already traded two pretty good prospects from it. Um, but I mean, they, they kept their top guys, you know, they didn't, they didn't have to give up uh, a Bryce Terang or a, a Garrett Mitchell or an Ethan Small or an Aaron Ashby uh, or a Mario Feliciano even. They, they didn't have to do that. Thank God. Uh, yeah, Matt would have been irate if Feliciano oh. got moved. Laptop um, out the window. Yeah, that that would be – you remember you remember the podcast where I did the victory lap on, on Burns? Um, it would be the exact opposite of that with, with <laughs> yeah. Matt. Um, it, it, would, it would be more like a funeral uh, rather mm-hmm. than a – a celebration, but anyways, um, so, you know, they move from the system, you know, they, they trade off some prospects, the Red Sox buy the prospects, uh, which is interesting. Um, but it, it makes so much sense for the Brewers to, to go about it this way. And, and those are the prospects that, that the Red Sox wanted apparently. Yeah. And, um, you're right. It's, it's kind of twofold reasoning. One, uh, you're giving up the prospects to have them take, on someone like Jackie Bradley Jr., who, based off of his 2021 season, isn't exactly someone you're going to trade one of your best guys for. Um, but it also got them to take his entire salary, which, as we talked about uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. in the offseason, you know, as far as everyone uh, could figure, there was so little of a chance that we were going to be able to convince uh, any other team to be able to take on that salary, which was is, you know, one of the biggest motivators for the Brewers to actually move on from him. Um, but you know what? Prospects fix everything. You throw, you sweeten <laughs> the pot with a couple prospects, and hey, teams are willing to do a little bit more. Um, with the two that we gave up, um, I, I know, I, I feel like the fact that it specifically was Alex Benellis, who, as mm-hmm. we know, hometown Oak Creek kid, probably made it sting just a little bit extra for, you know, some Brewers fans. Um, but had that been it, exactly yeah me, me in yeah. particular yeah but you know had that been another um you know equally uh weighted prospect from the brewer system that just wasn't him you know you look at that trade a little bit differently so yeah it hurts a little bit more because of losing him um but that said um you end up losing Benellis, so a corner infielder to me, that was, you know, one of the reasons it was sad to lose him because the Brewers finally had, you know, some hopes of some corner infield depth in the future mm-hmm. and Benellis no longer here anymore. So that's kind of a bummer. And then Hamilton, I just liked the guy in general because the guy, as we know, is just an absolute burner. I mean, yeah. 50 plus steals last year is yeah. insane. I mean, you were at the game where he had six Yes, yes, six in a single game. He is, he is so like it is eighty grade speed. Like like you hear about that, but when you see it up close, like it is insane uh, watching him run. Uh, So yeah, that that really kind of sucked. But at the same time, with with Hamilton, he's a shortstop, Mm -hmm. and ahead of him on the on the depth chart in the system, you know, because he made it up to Double A this year. Ahead of him at Triple A is Bryce Terang, uh, who we all know is a very good shortstop prospect, top one hundred prospect. And then you also have Willie Adamas at the big league level. And with those two guys, plus even Luis Arias, um, who has big league experience at shortstop, with those guys, there is virtually no chance of David Hamilton playing shortstop for the Milwaukee Brewers at any point soon. So it like it makes sense to trade him. Like some of these guys, like you fall in love with them as prospects, and you know they're just going to end up getting traded one day. Um, and, and it's almost like best, like, okay, like this dude's probably trade bait. Um, and like, you know that, but when the day comes that they're actually traded, you still, you still get kind of sad, you know, mm. and, and especially with Benelis too. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, the hometown kid, you know, and before even a year is out, but before even the year is out from the draft, <laughs> he gets traded. 
Um, and I feel bad for him. And and really, I mean, for both those guys too. Like you look at their future in Boston. I mean, for for Benellis at the corner infield spots at third base, they got Rafael Devers. He's locked up long term. Mm-hmm. Um, at first base, they got Bobby Dahlbeck and then Tristan Cassis, who's one of the top prospects, top first base prospects in baseball. Uh, so they're pretty much going to be set unless unless both Dahlbeck and Cassis fail miserably. I don't think first base is going to be an opening for Boston for a while. So it, it's really kind of curious how how they wanted him uh, and how positionally he's going to fit. And then Hamilton, I mean, they got Xander Bogarts uh, locked up long term yeah. at shortstop. So where's Hamilton going to fit? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you could put him at second base, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's I suppose that's not our problem anymore. I mean, but <laughs> it, it's just kind of the the. I think it's just what the Brewers were were willing to part with. I mean, the Brewers are probably willing to part with Hamilton because, you know, like I said, they knew the the shortstop depth that they had, and he wasn't going to uh, get any time there. Um, but you know, if they had their guys, I mean, Red Sox probably liked Benellis in the draft, and uh, the Brewers ended up taking him, and now it's just like, okay, now we can uh, get him get him here, I guess. Yeah. Uh... I, I was interested in that too, because um, especially the first thing I thought of um, specifically was um, David Hamilton. When you've already got, you know, one of the better shortstops and Bogarts on your team. Yeah. Uh, Plus, they just drafted Marcelo Meyer this year yeah, with the fourth overall true. pick. Yeah, also true. So, um, but you know, prospects are uh, valuable commodities, so those prospects can always be packaged in another deal for someone else. And so, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times, if if you can just get valuable prospects on your team, that's good enough. And then whatever happens in the future happens, you know, some of these big league guys um, could be moved in a trade at some point. I know uh, in Dahlbeck's case, um, I, I know he was a little down at times in 2021. So maybe he doesn't maybe, uh, and Cassis is amazing. So maybe mm-hmm. Dahlbeck isn't the future. Maybe they have a DH position open that uh, Benelis ends up factoring into all kinds of things could happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I can totally get it's It's easy to play the, you know, the major league depth game when it comes mm-hmm. to minor leaguers. Um, but yeah, it, it, we've spoken at length on this podcast as well about that, about how uh, pr- top prospects are assets. They are players, but they're also assets and you can, mm-hmm. uh, utilize them for so many things when it comes to figuring out your team's future and the Red Sox, you know, kind of did that. And so, you know, power to them. It helped them out, helped us out. It seems like it's going to be a trade that benefits both sides. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting for Boston side on the, on the big league side. Um, I mean, for them, cause trading Renfro for JBJ, I don't think necessarily makes their big league club better in 2022 and they just mm-hmm. like they made it all the way to the ALCS now you can say that was a fluke or not based on you know their their season and that they got in from the wild card but you know it even if JBJ bounces back is he going to provide as much as Renfro did certainly not offensively but he he provides good defense who do they have in in center field out there in Boston right now I believe Verdugo is in center Verdugo's in center? Yeah, I believe he's their center fielder. Um, And just looking up uh, their 40-man roster, I mean, you've got Kike Hernandez, who kind of flips back and forth. Uh, They technically have J.D. Martinez listed as an outfielder, but he really only DHs these days. Yeah, and Um, and if anything, he's a corner. Right, exactly. Uh, And Jaron Duran, um, I know, kind of got some run. Um, But I I thought Verdugo was um, their center last season. Yeah. Currently, they uh, currently uh, Fangrass has JBJ listed as the starting center fielder mm-hmm. um, heading into next season. But yeah, he act- actually yeah, no, yeah, moving Verdugo was, to right. Mm-hmm. Verdugo is more on the left, actually, last season. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is just where they're projecting that, that he'd end up. Sure. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So they got Duran, uh, JBJ now uh, and Verdugo. Mm-hmm. out there in the outfield. So, you know, interesting, interesting group. Um, man, w- remember when uh, Boston used to have the uh, outfield of uh, it, the, it was Bradley, Benintendi, and Betts, the, the killer mm-hmm. bees out there? Man, yeah. that was an outfield. 
Mm-hmm. Look what they got now. No. And then, <laughs> hey, and they then, got Bradley back. They, they did. They so they got one B. Um, yeah. Hernandez was the one who played center most of the season last season, by the way. So okay, yeah, um, yeah. So there and we go. Right had a hell of a run in the postseason. PK. Yes, he did. Oh, he heated yeah. up going towards the end. Yeah. But so. Uh, yeah, so now they have more options. I know he himself can uh, flip back and forth between outfield infield so maybe that gives them a little yeah. bit more versatility um yeah they can do some things yeah but i mean this trade was god it's, it's such a blessing for us because we thought we were going to be heading into the and heading into this lockout two months of a transaction freeze and the biggest move the brewers had made was trading for mike brasso and signing <laughs> two backup catchers like that's really kind of all they had done everyone's like oh my god this offense like when are they going to do something like you know they got to do something about it got to do something um and at the at the eleventh hour, literally, David Stearns makes a move and uh and gets some and and helps it out. So uh, that's that's really I think good to see. I know a lot of people were pushing for JBJ to get traded, and yeah, it's like where where is it going to go? Oh yeah, Boston makes so much sense. Um, but and apparently, David Stearns does read reviewing the brew. I mean, I, I had on. Uh, <laughs> I had an article go up a few days before with three things that uh, that they need to do, uh, three moves that they need to make before the lockout begins. And the first move, acquire an impact bat. And uh, I believe Hunter Renfro qualifies as an impact yeah. bat, man. Yeah, he will definitely uh, definitely help out on the offensive end. And I, I think that's, you know, yes, it's tough giving up uh, – as valuable a defensive player as Jackie Bradley Jr. And yes, the Brewers did commit uh, to defense quite a bit over the last offseason. Um, but considering how woeful the uh, offense was at times, I think you're willing then to sacrifice a little bit of that defense um, to add get some more pop into the line. Well, and so, plus you still uh, got Lorenzo Kane. Yes. Well, like absolutely. you still got a gold glove center fielder in, in Lorenzo. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, really, how much are they actually losing um, right. out there in center? Um, and you got Tyrone Taylor who can be the backup to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Renfro defensively, um, you know, he grades out, you know, kind of either middle of the pack or slightly negative. But he like leads the league in, or like he like led in assists, like outfield assists. So mm-hmm. he's got a cannon for an arm. Yeah. Like he's got a really strong arm. His glove is kind of eh. His range might be eh. But... He gets it up and he can chuck it. Mm-hmm. So I think given the the Brewers' lack of cannons and some of their other outfielders, <laughs> uh, mm. I think they'll certainly take uh, a right fielder with an arm like that because Avi didn't really have the best arm out there in right field. No, it, it was accurate at times because he did have uh, a, a couple memorable outfield assists over the last couple of years. Um, but it, yeah, it wasn't quite the cannon that a couple of them have out there. Um, Renfro's interesting defensively because um, he Fangraphs grades him out as a 60 grade arm, which is awesome. That, that, um, that's double, or that's a uh, that's plus. That's, that's a yeah. plus arm. Yeah, it is. Um, he he did have a decent handful of errors last season though, um, but for his career he has uh, plus 20. Um, defensive runs saved in the outfield. However, <laughs> 19 of those came specifically in 2019. So last year he was at a negative one. So not good, not bad. Um, same with 2020. He was at a plus four in 2018. So like when he's at his best, he actually can be pretty good defensively. And a lot of people see the, like that errors number and think, you know, oh, player has a lot of errors. They must be bad defensively. And that's just not necessarily the case anymore. The Luis Arias story. The Luis Arias <laughs> story. I mean, heck, even <laughs> Adamas had, you know, a decent amount of errors last season, but he's yeah. pretty generally regarded as an above average defender. Um, mm-hmm. And then Tyler O'Neill um, was someone who was used as um, a, uh, an example of someone who also had a lot of errors. Yeah. You know what? He also has a 2021 gold glove. So errors don't necessarily tell the whole story um, when it comes to players defensively. There's so many metrics now, just like everything else that um, go into it. You have to look at uh, things from a lot of different views. So you still, I think have 
enough defense there. And like you said, you also have Kane patrolling the outfield. Hopefully he plays a little bit more than last year. But remember, last year was his first year back uh, from the COVID opt-out season. So um, he was bound to be kind of little off and on um, in terms of the injured list. Um, hopefully next year, even though he's a year older, um, he gets a little bit more consistent playing time. Yeah, just got to avoid those uh, leg injuries. I mean, the, the, the lower body injuries, especially for someone uh, like Kane, uh, who has to utilize his, his speed and, and run a lot, uh, that that's really kind of uh, going to be tough on you. So we'll see. I mean, and, and even if Kane can't play as much, Tyrone Taylor has shown himself to be a very capable big league outfielder. Um, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to seeing him get the opportunity to to play more often. And, you know, I think he still will. But I don't think they're ready quite yet to hand over a full-time starting role to him. Um, And when the opportunity presents itself to shed Jackie Bradley Jr.'s contract and add Hunter Renfro uh, to the lineup in his place, you got to take it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And, and, you know, uh, to kind of reference uh, one of your earlier points, um, the uh, article that you had put out about the three things that the Brewers should do before the work stoppage. Um, number three was to sign one of their contract extension candidates. You know what makes it easier to do that? When you free up some money on the payroll. Yeah, so there I you know, go. I know um, one of the you know immediate thoughts for a lot of fans uh, when they realize that you have a little bit more money to play with here might be to address another position like first base. And I know that's something that Stearns, I'm sure, will be looking at. Um, but also having some extra money means that maybe you can, you know, start the first year of one of these extensions by yeah. getting it going this offseason. So who knows? Maybe that's where some of that money gets pocketed. Maybe it does go towards um, first base, a high profile reliever, you know, a fifth outfielder. I'm sure they're not done in the outfield. They generally do like to carry at least five. Um, so, but but you do have Peterson and Brasso. Correct. As well as technically, you know, you could call upon Corey Ray, um, if he happens to be in one of those stretches where he's healthy, Um, Joey Weimer season, no, Joey Weimer, man. I mean, Uh, I mean, the guy is a God basically at this point. So might as well uh, just bring him on up. He's, he's seen enough of the minor leagues. Yeah. Garrett Mitchell, get him up. No. Now that that's probably going to be after after another year, but and this this certainly does also buy them some time uh, with those outfield prospects. I mean, it's it's only two years for Renfro, um, so I mean, when you get to 2023, that's when uh, Garrett Mitchell should be just about ready, um, and then Weimer could be ready maybe uh, midway through 2023. Uh, depending if he keeps up hitting like this, like he did in the second half of this last year, mm. um, then maybe that's around when he could be ready and, and get a call up and, and you see what he does and then maybe give him a starting job in 2024. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of it gets you a little bit of a cushion there to make sure that you're covered during this window of contention um, so that you don't have any sort of uh, issues where, you know, you got positions that are, um, j- just a little bit off in terms of your prospects coming up to take a job and, and uh, having a big league opening. So uh, it certainly helps in that route. Um, this is going to be the fourth different team for, for Renfro in four years. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was uh, famously traded from San Diego to Tampa Bay after the 2019 season, and Blake Snell found out about it on a, on a live stream. And <laughs> That's right. he's like, we traded fam for... <laughs> Renfro and a slap dick prospect. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And that oh, was that was him. That, that's the same Renfro. That. And then spent one year in Tampa and then was traded up to Boston. Um, you know, that, that one year, that, that was 2020 in Tampa. And then in Boston in 2021. And now uh, Milwaukee in 2022. So from San Diego to Tampa to Boston to Milwaukee, just taking a trip all around the United States uh, is Hunter Renfro. That's all right. Um, I hope he enjoys tailgating and brats and beer and uh, Lake Michigan and all the beautiful things that Milwaukee has to offer. Because yeah. he, he's got that to make home now for a uh, couple seasons. You know what I found out about uh, Renfro, too, uh, when, when kind of looking at him last night? 
Oh. He's another Mississippi State guy. That's right. Yes, he is. Brandon Woodruff, Ethan Small, and now Hunter Renfro. I believe I believe Woodruff and Renfro were teammates at, at the same time at uh, Mississippi State. I think they played at the same time. Yeah, for two um, seasons, I think I saw. Yeah, so that's that's great. He already he already knows guy. Hail State, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all right. I, I I love those guys. They're all they're all well literal bulldogs, but also like, yeah. they just act like bulldogs when they yeah. play. Yeah, bulldogs on the mound, bulldogs at heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I found that interesting, and you know now we may have to take a trip to to Mississippi State. You know, go go to some games down there. That's check, right. Check out check out our future Brewers because apparently it's just a pipeline. <laughs> yep, we can scout for the Brewers down there. That's fine. You're gonna sign us to sure. Mississippi State. Yeah. Hey, I mean, there's worse places to look than the reigning national champions. That's true. Yeah. All right. So now that the Renfro trade is done, the lockout has begun. The transaction freeze has begun. I went to the the clubhouse sale today um and it was remarkable to me how ironic it was that i and so many other fans are allowed into an mlb clubhouse at this very moment yet mlb players are not (laughs) completely locked out they can't get in the door i don't even know if they could go to the clubhouse sale if they wanted to like (laughs) they they can't go to team facilities they can't sign contracts they can't be in contact uh, with uh, people from the team. I don't, I don't even know if the, if players can text Craig Council. I don't even know if, if Council can text his players. Um, like, contact, just boom, cut. And everyone's kind of looking on Twitter, like, a, after the lockout was instituted, uh, players' pictures are, are taken down, stories, articles, um, anything involving current players taken off the MLB websites, even, even Brewers.com. No recent stories about uh, Bre- about Brewers players. I don't even think there can be a story on Hunter, on the Hunter Renfro trade. Uh, I, I feel bad for a friend of the podcast, Adam McAlvey, because that sounds like something that he'd love to write about and that he should write about. And then by the time he gets an article done, yeah, sorry, we have to take it off the website. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah, I was honestly thinking of that actually today. I'm like, so so what? I mean, I mean he, he's yes. What does McAlvey do be? now? Right. There will be plenty of news to keep him busy, but like he can't actually write and post stories about it. Um, you know, so he can, you know, do the historical look backs at certain things. But yeah. I mean, I yeah, I feel I bad think that's for what he too. has like, to do. I, but how? I mean, how much of that can you keep writing about and how long is this lockout going to take? Yeah, well, hopefully not too long. I mean, I, I think. OK, so as we've all kind of seen over the past uh, week or so. Um, and really over the past several years, baseball is motivated by deadlines. You know, the July trade deadline, um, the the waiver deadline, the uh, non-tender deadline, things like that. All that spurs action and decisions and, and movement. And with the lockout coming, everyone knew a lockout was coming on, on all sides. Everyone knew. Um, so... Players and teams alike wanted to sign players ahead of this transaction freeze and get some things taken care of before you have a whole bunch before you have two months, probably of uncertainty um, and not being able to sign anyone or do anything. So you can get some things taken care of. Players want to know where they're going to play next year so that they can set stuff up for spring training for whatever else. You don't have all, all those weeks and months of worrying. So a lot of players signed. And, you know, some trades were made, you know, David Stearns making making one of them at the at the last minute, as we've just been talking about. Um, and now it's just all at a complete stop. Mm-hmm. And where I think we'll see movement, you know, like like we see the player movement there, I think it'll also work on the labor negotiation side where when you kind of have more of a deadline, they'll make some movement. December 1st was technically a deadline, but not really, you know, they're not at risk of losing anything right now in terms of money. Um, when it gets, when it gets closer to spring training and potentially having to cancel spring training games, that's when everyone starts losing money. And when people start losing money and eh, they're more motivated to make a deal to get back to making money. 
So I, I think as we get closer to spring training is when we're going to see uh, some actual movement. Yeah, I'm um, just looking here. Um, Jason Stark, formerly of the e- e- for, of the ESPN of ESPN, now with the Athletic, uh, mentions that the pressure will really start to mount if nothing's figured out by mid to late January. So you know that kind of falls in line with that because then that's when you you're about a month out from pitchers and catchers reporting and you know things start to kind of get nervous. So um, yeah, it just the annoying part about this and the part that worries me about when they might actually agree upon things is that they've already started the public mudslinging when it comes mm-hmm. to the league versus the players. And we saw this during the COVID season when by all rights, the MLB should have been the first league to get back on the field because they had the most time to get stuff figured out. And it just ended up being this, public war of words between Tony Clark and the Players Association and Manfred and the owners and just squabbling over, you know, I I don't know, just a hundred million or 50 million or something like that, you know, difference between what the, they were willing to let the players make while all of us are, you know, sitting at home, not working, um, which gave them such a horrible image. Now, right at right after basically that Brewers trade went down, Manfred releases a statement last night um, that starts off by saying that MLB and the owners voted unanimously to do a lockout um, to essentially uh, force the talks to continue. Okay, cool. You stop it there. Fine. That's I, I, Mm -hmm. I think people at least understand what's happening. But then he went on to just pile on the players association how what they want uh, isn't good for the game and they've tried to give them fair proposals and blah 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 just again the same crap we saw in 2020 when they were trying to get that season going and it just it's so annoying and that's what and also is what like i said you know potentially worries a fan about them actually getting this stuff figured out obviously they're going to continue the talks and they'll be at the table and everything like that but it's just such a bad look when they do that kind of stuff and of course the world's worst commissioner would be the one to do it (laughs) yeah yeah you you're uh you're not wrong there on on the worst commissioner i mean it's really kind of been bad and it was interesting too how a couple days before uh this lockout a report came out that mlb used two different baseballs uh throughout this last season and, and you know players are theorizing that they're using juiced balls for primetime games and important games and uh, for non-important games between, you know, two maybe losing teams. They just throw a deader ball out there and no one really cares and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's like, well, that's a bad luck if that's true. Um, and, yeah, the mudslinging and, like, you know, when MLB tweeted, I was like, oh, read a letter from the commissioner. I'm like, unless this is a letter of resignation, I don't <laughs> care what Rob Manfred has to say, you know, my dislike and my disdain for Rob Manfred. I've talked about it plenty of times uh, on here and well, well, we both have a a lot of people have, Um, there's a lot of disdain for Rob Manfred out there um, except for the 30 people who are technically his bosses, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's bad. The, The mudslinging and, you know, and especially seeing that article, too, it's like, oh, like, you know, the players, you know, proposals would hurt, you know, most teams ability to be competitive. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Their major issue is that not enough teams are competitive. They're trying to make more teams more competitive and trying to win year in and year out. So are you understanding what they're trying to get at? Because I don't think you are. Um, but it, it's all just trying to build a narrative and, you know, management versus you know, labor, um, the, the age old fights and, uh, rivalry essentially. And yeah, it's going to be tough. The players got railroaded in the last CBA. Um, so they're really kind of pissed and, uh, they, they have some things that they want to change and they don't want to be railroaded again. They're not going to let themselves get railroaded again. Um, and MLB liked railroading over them. And the fact that they're not, the fact that they're standing up makes them kind of pissed. And that's how we get to 
where we are. This has been building for a while. And we saw it a little bit, as you mentioned, Matt, with the uh, COVID season in 2020. And it's just all going to explode here. Um, both sides. I mean, the, the players union shot back, you know, their own uh, messages. And now players are going to, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> anonymous profile pictures to mm-hmm. kind of match what MLB has to put out on their site now. Because, like, I didn't even realize, you know, that that's the whole licensing thing to just use their picture on the website, like you have to have that licensing and the agreement with the players union uh, to even use that. Like that's, that's crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. But just so many things go into it. So many things go into the CBA and it's, it's going to be a while. It's not going to be, you know, Oh, they'll, they'll get one signed in, in the next two or three days and we'll be back to back to normal. No, the, the MLB winter meetings have been canceled. The rule five draft has been canceled. Um, which which just really sucks because I love the mm. Rule Five draft. Um, or at least they've postponed it. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not sure if I'm not sure if it's like fully canceled. If they're not going to have one once the new CBA kicks in, um, they might, they might not. Which also makes the Brewers not protecting anyone look kind of kind of smart almost if there isn't a replacement Rule Five draft. But anyways, that's beside the point. Uh, but yeah, so this lockout, I'm I'm not expecting a deal to get done between these two sides until we get closer to February. Yeah. Uh, which it sucks for baseball fans because that means, you know, outside of CBA news, there is no other news that t- uh, fans can expect to hear from the league. Um, what I will say though, is there have been uh, kind of some interesting stories coming out just about this whole situation in general. Um, I know I've seen it pointed out by several people on social media, uh, the fact that, you know, stories and players' faces uh, get taken off of the team websites, and yet um, teams are allowed to continue selling merchandise with these players' names on them. Um, I was able to see the explanation for that, though, um, and I believe that was um, the beat writer Gold for um, St. Louis, because there was the funny... Uh, picture floating around about how uh, (laughs) Cardinals third baseman bobblehead day is one of the promotions because they couldn't use Nolan Arenado's name. Um, But apparently the, all of the stuff on the websites is tied to the CBA expiring while um, the actual merchandise is um, beholden to the MLB MLBPA uh, licensing agreement. So, and both the league and the players benefit off the sale of the merchandise. And so, um, two different situations. Um, but another one that I had seen, which is um, was honestly a good thought, was um, I didn't see, I can't remember who it was, but said that he would love to see the 30 for 30, basically, the version of that, for how exactly, like, IT-wise, the whole team sites were able to just, at the snap of a finger, wash everything that referenced a current player away in the blink of an eye like did they have all of the team's social media people like prepared to do this did they do it ahead of time do they have some switch that they flip centrally that was able like it is an interesting um thing to think of that like at at one point last night everything shut down like no players references on any sites it didn't happen one after another, it all happened at once because everyone was commenting on it at the same time. And that's just like, that can't be a small endeavor to have that done. No, so I'm really curious as to how they were able to accomplish that as well. Yeah. I mean, they, they probably got like, you know, every time like there, there's a player mentioned in something uh, like, like there's a tag that goes along with that. Like, like, you know, we have like, you know, the tags and like the keywords and whatnot for, for stuff right. reviewing the brew. Uh, so they probably just like, you know, like search and just like all the ones, like anything, including all 1200 members or, or whatnot of the players union, every single one, just put them in. And if it, and if they're a part of this, if, if they're tagged in, in this article or anything, any single one of these people take it down, remove it. Yeah. Now that there's some sort of it thing to do that. I'm sure I don't have it. I mean, all the, all the team sites, like, you know, the, the Brewers team site and, you know, the Cubs and the Rockies and the Giants and, you know, whatever other teams you can name, 
Um, they're all under the MLB.com umbrella. I mean, right. when you type in Brewers.com, like if you notice when you look up, it changes to MLB.com slash Brewers. Right. You know, so it's all it's all under MLB um, and their website. So they just put in some sort of command, I'm sure, and just boom, there it goes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I saw a lot of uh, comments about that today, and it's like. Like, this just kind of shows how important your players are. Like, look at what your sites and everything is without them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like you can have the, these kinds of arguments with them about money and, and whatever else, but you need them. And, yeah. you know, especially in, in baseball where it's like you can't find just anyone to play the game at that level, you know? So it's going to be a long few months. Both sides are pretty dug in. Um, and it's going to be uh, very, very interesting to see how it goes and, and what kind of proposals are made and what the final deal ends up actually looking like and how this will impact the Brewers. And obviously, we'll be able to break all that down for you once a deal gets actually agreed to, um, which is going to going to be a while. But there will be plenty of rumors and plenty of other proposals. Uh, one final thing uh, I wanted to, that we need to talk about here on, on this week's uh, podcast uh, the non-tender deadline got moved up ahead mm-hmm. of the, the lockout. And the Brewers had a lot of arbitration-eligible players, but they only non-tendered two of them. Mm-hmm. One of them was John Curtis, who they acquired at the trade deadline this year, who subsequently uh, gave up several runs and then blew out his elbow uh, and now has undergone Tommy John surgery and is going to miss all of next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they non-tendered Daniel Vogelback, a fan favorite first baseman, the barrel man himself, Daniel <laughs> Vogelback, is now a free agent and will not return to the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, I sadly, I, the John Curtis one is probably the more surprising one to a lot of fans. Um, we had already talked about the possibility of Vogelback and the other you know, kind of players in that first base mix like Telez and Hira and who was likely to come back uh, next season. And I, I think we agreed that Vogelback being non-tendered was a real, real possibility. And then that's what ends up happening. Um, you know, he did a show last year again, you know, that he was going back to some of his old streaky ways. Um, Telez was definitely the more consistent one. Um, of the two once he ended up joining the team. And then, you, you know, with Kira still in that mix, um, I, I think you have someone who, you know, is younger with more potential, who obviously you want to, you know, keep giving uh, chances to. And the Brewers not knowing for sure whether or not the DH is happening next year probably plays into it a little bit. But even if they knew, I don't know that you keep all three of those players who, let's be honest with Telez. Um, we don't a hundred percent know that he's going to continue doing what he did next year. Just like we didn't know that Vogelback would be the 20, the late 2020 version of himself last year. And he wasn't. And so to have three guys in the mix for first base that all have the risk of, you know, having a poor season, um, that would be hard to, you know, keep that full trio around. And so I, I don't think it was too big of a surprise with Curtis. Um, he had so many years of control left that I think that was the surprise with him that they would move on from him. But I think that just goes to show exactly how valuable every single one of those 40 roster spots are, because in the off season, you're not allowed to put the players on the injured list. And so he has to be carried as one of those 40 players until you get closer to the beginning of the season. You can actually put him on the IL and then backfill his roster spot. If he goes on the 60 day IL, which he would, cause he's going to miss all next season. Um, and they don't even want to go just those few months of the off season with him occupying a roster spot that they know he's not going to be able to fill um, next season. So they end up moving on from him. And so the explanation makes sense. And I thought I had seen somewhere that um, because he wasn't the traditional non-tender candidate, um, that a lot of times that move gets made with the expectation that he's going to sign, you know, as a minor leaguer. I don't know what's potentially going to still happen with him in the future. Um, but when you think of it 
from the full 40-man perspective, that's where you can see why they non-tendered him. Yeah, and that moved the 40-man roster to uh, 36. Um, And it remains that way after the uh, trade because only one 40-man guy in JBJ went off and one is coming back in Hunter Renfro. So 40-man is still 36, and it's going to remain that way uh, for uh, a while until that uh, CBA gets agreed to. So, yeah, it's a fortunate to see, and I I think they – probably will sign Curtis back. I mean, mm-hmm. you traded Peyton Henry for four years of control for this dude and a DFAM after like five appearances and an injury um, or non-tender, not DFA, non-tender him um, and just let him go. I mean, that seems like really you gave up Peyton Henry for pretty much nothing. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could definitely see them signing him back to a minor league deal, but now with the lockout, that may have to wait a while. So, uh, yeah, very interesting to see a lot of stuff going on uh, there, that's been going on. And now it all comes to a stop. And, Matt, have you seen, uh, like, I'm sure you've seen or, or like, heard the, uh, it's like the, the recording of, like, the sounds of, like, the final moments of World War One. You know, they agreed to the treaty <laughs> and everyone's just, like, shooting all, all their, you know, shooting the bullets, shooting the the mortars and everything as, as much as they can up until 11 o'clock, and then it hits 11, and everyone just stops. It's silence. <laughs> and nothing happens for another 20 years, and then it kicks back up again. Um, <laughs> but that's that's beside the point. Uh, not, not to get too deep into that. But this is like, a history podcast. Yeah, but like, but, but like it, it's the same kind of thing. You know, it's like you had all this action, all the all the free agent signings and trades leading up because you had this deadline that you knew was coming. And then the deadline comes and silence. Everything just stops. Except the major difference here, besides, you know, uh, the obvious of, of what we're talking about, is that everything stopped because there is not an agreement with baseball. Whereas, obviously, in World War One, everything stopped because there was an agreement. But... That's enough of the history references for this podcast. <laughs> um, anyways, Daniel Vogelback uh, is not going to be back. His big moment, though, mm. the Grand Slam, the walk-off Grand Slam against the Cardinals. We have to talk about it because it's the last time we're talking about Daniel Vogelback as a brewer because he's he's non-tendered. But, man, I was at that game with when he hit the walk-off Grand Slam, and it was absolutely electric like i could i could just feel it in my bones that it's like oh man like what if he just hits a grand slam right here like i can totally just see him just pulling one and hitting it out into like the bullpen or the, or the miller like beer pen or something out there and then the next pitch he did and i'm just going freaking bananas over there i if i remember correctly i was i was actually watching that game um, I believe I was at home, just uh, I had it pulled up on my laptop. Um, and I think as soon as it came off the bat, um, I said a series of excited curse words, um, <laughs> scared the dog under the bed um, nice. and just started fist pumping away because that was it. And yeah, you like you just you had a feeling something was about to happen. Like there was just. There, there was a momentum for the Brewers that felt like like something's going to happen, whether it's a double or a homer, you know, something like something good's about to happen. And it was literally the best thing that could have possibly happened <laughs> in that moment. Um, but, oh. oh, my God, it just that guy that guy gave us a lot of memorable moments and he will obviously, obviously be missed. Um, Rowdy Telez, at, at least we get to get Rowdy. Yeah. So the legend of Rowdy we have that. Yep, but um, Big Dan, he had a season and a half full of fun memories for us, that's for sure. Good run. The Barrel Man himself. I mean, no one embodied the Barrel Man. No one embodied what you would expect a Milwaukee Brewer first baseman to look like more than Daniel Vogelback. I mean, he looks like he crushes Beer League softball on Sundays um, and just shotguns a beer, steps in the box, and hits a tank. Like that, that's the kind of guy he looks like, oh man, just, uh, so much fun 
so much fun having them around. And yeah, it's going to be tough not seeing them there, but the Brewers still have a big man at first base in Rowdy Telez. So really they're still fine overall. Yeah. He'll have to shoulder that load. And I do want to throw in myself as well. I know you mentioned uh, Bradley Jr. and uh, being appreciative of him earlier. I want to echo that same sentiments. I mean, the guy never made excuses for his play last year. He understood, you know, um, he was having a rough season and he tried as hard as he could to dig out of it. But sometimes it's just that, you know, you're in the quicksand and just everything you do to fight against it it just kind of makes you go down even deeper. But um he in the field, you know, he did a hell of a job for us. He had some amazingly memorable defensive plays up at the wall um, and he made a lot of it look easy. That shouldn't have looked easy. So, um, you know, he, he even though it may not have been because his, of his bat as much, his play in the field was a huge reason why the Brewers were able to make their fourth playoff uh, appearance in a row. So, you know, it, appreciative send off for him as well. Yeah, and especially with how much time Kane missed. I mean, he, he got a lot of time out there and uh, really helped that uh, that run prevention unit and helped out uh, his pitchers uh, who had such phenomenal seasons uh, so much. And, yeah, you know, lo- losing him defensively is going to be tough. Um, and, and offensively, it's so much like 2019 Travis Shaw. Like, you yes. start off in a hole, yes. you try to dig yourself out of it, you end up digging deeper and it's like at some point just put down the shovel, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the the harder you try to get out of it, the more impossible to get out of it. It's going to be. Yeah. And I mean, you know what? We we saw it, your boy Corbin Burns go through it yeah. one season. And you know what? Sometimes and look at him now. Reigning just, yeah, Cy Young him. winner. All right. You, like, we must address him as such. Reigning <laughs> Cy true. Young winner Corbin Burns. That's true. But it took him a lot to get there, and he he was able to overcome it, which is great. Uh, not every player does. Not every player does it as quickly. I hope Bradley Jr. has a better season in 2022 for the Red Sox, just like we all hoped that Travis Shaw would go on to – Jackie you know, Bradley Jr. for Cy Young. <laughs> for, wait, what, uh, uh, yeah, okay, why not? Yeah, why not? Let's go Put him it. on the mound. It, it, he can be the next Shohei Otani. No, let's be, <laughs> let's be honest. No one will ever be the next Shohei Otani. That that guy is just ridiculous. No. no. Oh my God, it's insane. Man, I wish we had him. Yeah. Oh. But oh well. God, could you imagine what Craig Council would do if he had Shohei Otani? <laughs> oh my God. You can expect more content like this as the lockout continues, uh, and there is no movement or rumors to speak of. We're going to talk about random ass hypotheticals and whatever the hell else. We're going to make it fun. We're going to keep it fun and interesting and exciting, or at least as much as we can over the next several weeks as the lockout continues. And as we talk brewers here on the cold brew podcast and, uh, you know, hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving. We didn't have an episode last week, you know, we had our, our Thanksgiving dinners obviously, uh, on Thursday. So, you know, back at it and now Christmas season, is upon us, and uh, David Stearns gave us quite the gift uh, to put underneath the tree while he still could. Did, did some last-minute shopping, um, and you know, since he couldn't give us anything actually on Christmas Day, because that lockout's still going to be there, gave us he he did the best he could, and it was uh, it was a really great gift, I think. Yeah, it'll have to be the gift that keeps on giving because that's all we yeah. got come Christmas. <laughs> oh, it will be. It will unless, be All right. unless we get a Christmas miracle of the lockout ending before that. But that would be on a hell of a miracle. Unlikely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that'd be like Mr. Potter. And it, it, it's in it's a wonderful life being uh, generous and donating charity. I, yeah. Yeah. Mm. What I'm going to finish this beer now. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the uh, of the Cold Brew Podcast. Be sure to uh, stay tuned to Reviewing the Brew for all the latest uh, brewers analysis and uh, news, and uh, we'll keep you updated there. Be sure to continue listening here on the Cold Brew Podcast. We'll see you again next week for another episode. Until next time, see you then.